I turn your attention this morning to Second Chronicles chapter 7. We begin reading in verse 1. I want to say that we're so happy to honor Brother and Sister Dixon who celebrated their 50th anniversary yesterday. Love them. All the family that's with us. What an awesome, beautiful family. And uh, I told my wife, if we uh, get to our 50th wedding anniversary, I will be 89 years old. Probably still pastoring. It got quiet there, didn't it? Amen. What a tremendous milestone. 50 years of marriage. I was telling him in the early service, I said, you know, my wife and I are celebrating our 17th uh, anniversary this week. And in fact, it's on Friday. And uh, when we first went out some 19 plus years ago, it was at a Friday's restaurant in Tallahassee. And then uh, later after dating for a couple of years and praying and fasting about the will of God for our future, the Lord gave me a verse that he has... Uh, given me a treasure. The treasure is in the field, and when you find the treasure, you go and sell all that you have and get married and buy the field. So we went to Fridays in Melbourne, and I told her that, and we prayed and cried together. And then when we got engaged at Rockefeller Center in New York City, ice skating, around Christmas time, we got engaged and we celebrated that engagement. We went to Fridays in Times Square. When we found out that we were going to be having twin, we didn't know if they were boys or girls or a boy and a girl at that time, but we just knew we were having twins. We left the doctor's office and we went to Fridays. (laughs) My wife was crying and I thought she was upset and found out those were tears of joy. So I learned another thing. Not all tears are bad tears. Then when we found out we were having little Miss Sophia, we went to Fridays. So I'm thinking about going and taking her for our anniversary to Fridays, but I'm a little nervous about going to Fridays on Friday. That actually is a story that ties into my message. Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 1. Love this wonderful church. So thankful for this great body of believers that the Lord has allowed us to be a part of. And the great joy of the journey is the people that you share the road with. And thank you for all that you do to make the family of God such a beautiful people and such a beautiful place. Second Chronicles chapter 7 and verse 1. Now, when Solomon had made an end of praying, the fire came down from heaven and consumed the burnt offering and the sacrifices. And the glory of the Lord filled the house. Isn't it awesome how the glory of the Lord doesn't come in and just like stay in one area? It just fills the house. It's just an amazing thing about how God does that. Fills all the corners and crevices of our heart. And the priest could not enter into the house of the Lord because the glory of the Lord had filled the Lord's house. And when all the children of Israel saw how the fire came down and the glory of the Lord upon the house, they bowed themselves with their faces to the ground upon the pavement and worshipped and praised the Lord, saying, For he is good, for his mercy endureth forever. Then the king and all the people offered sacrifices before the Lord. And King Solomon offered a sacrifice of 22,000 oxen. 22,000 oxen. And 120,000 sheep. 
So the king and all the people dedicated the house of God, and the priests waited on their offices, the Levites also, with instruments of music of the Lord, which David the king had made to praise the Lord, because his mercy endureth forever. When David praised by their ministry, and the priests sounded trumpets before them, and all Israel stood, moreover Solomon hallowed the middle of the court that was before the house of the Lord, for there he offered burnt offerings and the fat of the peace offerings, because... The brazen altar which Solomon had made was not able to receive the burnt offerings and the meat offerings and the fat. Also at the same time, Solomon kept the feast seven days and all Israel with him, a very great congregation from the entering then of Hamath into the river of Egypt. And in the eighth day, they made a solemn assembly for they kept the dedication of the altar seven days and the feast seven days. And on the three and twentieth day of the seventh month, he sent the people away into their tents glad and merry in heart for the goodness that the Lord had showed unto David and to Solomon and to Israel, his people. I believe you should leave church happier than when you came. This ought to be the highlight of our week. Thus Solomon finished the house of the Lord and the king's house and all that came into Solomon's heart to make it the house of the Lord. And in his own house, he prosperously effected. And the Lord appeared to Solomon by night and said unto him, I have heard thy prayer and have chosen this place to myself for an house of sacrifice. If I shut up heaven that there be no rain, or if I command the locusts to devour the land, or if I send pestilence among my people, if my people, which are called by my name, shall humble themselves and pray and seek my face and turn from their wicked ways, then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. Now mine eyes shall be open and my ears attend under the prayer that is made in this place. For now have I chosen and sanctified. Everybody said sanctified. This house that my name may be there forever. And mine eyes and mine heart shall be there perpetually. Without end. Forever and ever. Oh, what a mighty good God we serve. We pull our text from verse 12. I want to talk to you today about a house of sacrifice. A house of sacrifice. Would you bow your head and close your eyes and would you join me in praying? Lord, we're so thankful for your anointing. So thankful for your spirit that we feel here in such a powerful way. We're so thankful for the joy of the Lord that fills our heart. We pray, God, that one more time you would visit us in this place, in this house. Let the glory of the Lord fill the house in the name of Jesus. Everybody said amen. amen. You may be seated. Thank you for standing. The dedication of Solomon's temple, it's referred to as Solomon's temple due to the fact that Solomon oversaw the construction of it. But really, it was the Lord's temple. The dedication of this temple is a unique marker in history. It is a place that marks the coming together of God and man in a special place. It's not limited to just this temple and just this building that we read about in the text. It establishes for all time that God will inhabit a place and a space which is made specifically for the purpose of His habitation. 
it reveals that a designated place is special to God. And it is a place that he designates for his presence to abide in. It is not just a collection of building materials. It is a place that man establishes and requests that he can meet God there. And God honors that and dwells in that special place. Solomon reveals his motive for this special place in 2 Chronicles chapter 6 and verse 2. But I have built an house of habitation for thee and a place for thy dwelling forever. Solomon makes it clear, we want you to abide here. We want you to be in this place. How many times, ladies and gentlemen, have we come to the house of God and felt him here as we came through those doors? How many times have we felt the weight of sin lifted from off our shoulders as we stood in this altar? How many times have prayers ascended into, up and past this ceiling? How many times has sickness encountered the power of God here and retreated in defeat? I am thankful that this is a designated place where the glory of God fills the house. It is a house of prayer. It is a house of worship. And it is a house of sacrifice. Notice that when Solomon was dedicating it, he called it a house of habitation. It was Solomon's desire that God would dwell in this house. And so he said, we built a house of habitation. But whenever God marked that spot, when he marked that place, he said, it is a house of sacrifice. He was acknowledging what man had done to build the place. And so he said, it's a house of sacrifice that I will fill with my glory and my presence. And then he said, I will sanctify it. It's interesting to me uh, that when Solomon prayed, uh, he designated it a place because he wanted it to be uh, where God would take up residence. But when God designated it as that special place where God and man would come together, he said, it is a house of sacrifice. Ladies and gentlemen, it is the desire of man to dwell in the presence of God. But I've come with good news today. It is also the desire of God Almighty to dwell in a place where people declare His name. The scriptures concerning this place reveal a dedication of something that was very important about how man and God would dwell together in this designated area that we call a church. I believe this is why the Bible says, as you see the day approaching, which is the day of his second coming, that we should not forsake the assembling of ourselves together. There is something special about when God's people come together in a place that is dedicated unto his name. It's not just drywall. It's not just lights. It's not just electricity and wood and concrete and pews. But ladies and gentlemen, it is a place where the glory of the Lord has said, this is where I will dwell. This is where I will dwell. And I know in just a few moments, all these pews that have been in here for 20 years are going to be pulled out that side door. And we're going to be bringing in new seats and we're going to be getting them broke in. But I've come to tell you something. Even though these pews are leaving, the glory of God is not leaving. 
even though this carpet's going to be ripped out. And even though there's no carpet on this platform right now, there's a coming some fresh carpet. And they better get ready because everything that's in this place is going to get saturated with the glory of God. Not because of who we are, but because of who He is. That's why David said, I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I don't know about you, but I love coming to this place. It's a special place that the glory of God inhabits. But it sort of got my curiosity about why God designated it a house of sacrifice. And I realized that he said, because it's a house of sacrifice, I will sanctify it. So something triggered in my heart and my mind. Man will sacrifice and God will sanctify what man sacrifices. Ladies and gentlemen, if you've got children under two years old and you get them ready and you bring them to the house of God, it is a sacrifice and I believe that there's a special place in heaven for you. I'm talking about a special palace, mansion, that is built for folks that raised little children in the house of God. You got them all cleaned up, spiffed up, and just as you was headed out the door, they got in the refrigerator and messed up what you had put on them. Their apparel was all soiled, but you brought them anyhow. Because you knew it was more important than what they looked like. But they got in the house of God and can feel the power and the presence of God. Thank you, Brother Sister Dixon, for raising all four of your daughters in the house of God. And they're still in the house of God this morning. Worshiping the Lord. Because I was glad when they said unto me, let us go into the house of the Lord. I honor every brother and sister that gives faithfully of their tithes, that gives sacrificially to missions. I've come to tell you, all of that sacrifice is not in vain. I'm thankful for every man or woman that lifts their hand and lifts their voice in a sacrifice of praise in this house, in this place. It is not in vain. God said, I'll sanctify it if you'll sacrifice. The sacrifice for the temple that we read about did not start on this day of dedication. It started years before when David, running through dry riverbeds and hiding in desolate caves, he longed for a place that was established for the safe haven of humanity and the fellowship of deity. Can I tell you that that ought to be what the house of God is today? It ought to be a city of refuge. It ought to be that a man or woman can say, if I can just get to East Wind Pentecostal, if I can just get in a Sunday morning or a Sunday evening service, it's going to be worth it all because I feel safe there. I know that. I'm in his presence. I know I'm in the palm of his hand. David longed for a place that would forever be established as the connecting point between God and man. And as much as David longed for this, he was not able to accomplish it. Yet, it should not be diminished that the groundwork of this beautiful temple was established through the sacrifice of generations before. Solomon addresses this in his dedication message of Second. Chronicles chapter 6, verse 7. Now it was in the heart of David, my father, to build a house for the name of the Lord God of Israel. But the Lord said to David, my father, 
For as much as it was in thine heart to build a house for my name, thou didst well in that it was in thine heart. Notwithstanding, thou shalt not build the house, but thy son, which shall come forth out of thy loins, he shall build the house, here it is again, for my name. The Lord, therefore, hath performed his word that he hath spoken. For I am risen up in the room of David my father and have set on the throne of Israel as the Lord promised and have built the house for the name of the Lord God of Israel. Three times in four verses, it establishes the purpose of this place. This house is to be a house of his name. When we dedicated this building 20 years ago, we said, this is a house of his name. We're going to declare the name of Jesus into the atmosphere of this building. We're going to baptize in the name of Jesus. We're going to pray for the sick in the name of Jesus. And if we have to, we'll cast out devils in the name of Jesus. Come on, somebody. There's no addiction that's too strong for the name of Jesus. There's no adversary that's too strong for the name of Jesus. At the name of Jesus, every knee shall bow and every tongue shall confess. This is the place of his name. This is the place to declare and to glorify and to worship the name of Jesus. Oh, come on. You ought to declare his name right now. We will bless your name at all times. If you embrace the name of Jesus, it's going to cost you something. But a place dedicated to his name will be a place that God looks to dwell in. Can I tell you that any space that you designate as a place of his name is a place that God will inhabit. It can be your house and say the name of Jesus is going to be lifted up in this house. We're not going to play a bunch of garbage that condemns and damns the name of Jesus in this house. We're not going to play a bunch of stuff music. This is going to be a house of the name of Jesus is high and lifted up. Can I tell you that God will inhabit every room in your home. He'll inhabit your old messy garage. If you say this is a place of his name, if you get up in your car and say this car is going to be a place where we declare the name of Jesus, can I tell you that God will inhabit that car? You'll feel his presence when you get in that car and you're driving to work. It may be you got to say, Jesus, as you go through an intersection and there's a screech of brakes and there's the, 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 the sound of tires, but there's a God that gives you a covering and protects your car. You know why? Because you said, I want his name in this place. You ought to declare your name over your children. They go to school, you ought to declare the name of Jesus over your children. You ought to declare the name of Jesus in your house, in your car, everywhere you go. You can be standing in line at Walmart and say, Jesus. Come on, dude. Come on, saints of God. Filled with the Holy Ghost. I had two guys knock at my door one morning and said, we want to ask you a question. They handed me a book. Is the earth running out of water? I went in the bathroom, turned on the water, came back to the sink of Turned on the water, came back and said, everything looks okay here. They said, do you mind if we enter? I said, enter at your own risk. They came in, sat down, they want to talk to me about Jehovah. And they said to me, I want to ask you a question. Do you know who Jehovah is? I said, not only do I know who he is, I know where he lives. (laughs) They said, where does he live? I said, he lives in a mobile home. (laughs) 
Oh boy, they looked at me like I'd committed blasphemy. They say, sir, can we ask you to explain that? I said, absolutely. I said, the Bible said the kingdom of God cometh not by observation, but it is within you. I said, I'm filled with the spirit of God and I'm mobile. is in you place that established the power of the name is where God will show up a place that is dedicated to his name is a place that God dwells in Solomon said we're going to build it but it's only going to be built with the best workers and the best materials I think whenever we build the house of God we ought to give it our very best when you read through Second Chronicles chapter 3 and chapter 4, you start reading about all oh, how he built this. Man, I mean, he got the best. Everything he got, he overlaid it in gold. Overlaid it in gold. Put up the ceilings, the fir trees, the leaven and the sea. All this stuff. Overlaid it with gold. Put over there. Overlaid it with gold. They were so spiritual, they even put palm trees in the temple. Y'all didn't know how spiritual y'all were when y'all pulled up on this parking lot and saw all them palm trees. Don't you know God loves palm trees? Y'all get up there in the north. I can't promise that God goes up there, but I know he's down here. Palm Bay. Palm trees. <laughs> uh, you read it. He had all kind of palm trees engraved in this temple. I mean, he gave the very best that he could. And they had it to, I guess they had resources saved, but a lot of it's because David had given. They estimate that one offering David gave over 10, what the equivalent would be today's money, $10 million in one offering. Does anybody here want to give an offering of $10 million today? <laughs> we will not turn you down. One man said, what if I won it through the lottery? The old preacher said, the devil had that money long enough. Go ahead. Put it in God. <laughs> we had one man in this city that doesn't even go to this church he's a good man got a good heart he said I'm going to take care of all he said y'all go around pick out whatever granny you want I don't care if it's from Brazil or India I don't care where it's at y'all pick whatever you want whatever you want I'm going to take care of it I'm going to buy it I'm going to cut it I'm going to install it it's not going to cost the church nothing he said, God has been so good to me. And he said, God has blessed my business. And he said, it's the very least that I can do. He does not even go to this church. So ladies, when y'all go in that beautiful new bathroom on the north side and you run your hand down that countertop. Woo! Leather finished granite. I want you to say a prayer. Lord... I pray for the people that bought and installed this that the Holy Ghost had come upon them. Hallelujah. And I pray a blessing upon his business. 
You say, what are you talking about, preacher? I say everybody that's ever sacrificed, God's honoring it. God's going to have a place where his name is declared. And we ought to give it the very best we have. We ought not to give him some leftover of our time or our energy or do something haphazard. We ought to say, if it's under the Lord, we're going to give you the very best because he will sanctify what we sacrifice. Well, you read, you read through all these verses, man, it'll blow your mind. All the stuff they brought and the size of it and the thickness of it and the height of it. And it went, and I mean, I'm just going through all these verses. I'm going to let y'all read them on your own time. But it's just amazing. He built this house, the flowers, the lamps, the tongue made of gold. Verse 21 said, perfect gold. My God, gold is gold. Somehow they found perfect gold. I take gold even if it's got some flaws on it. <laughs> perfect gold. And the snuffers. Well, what in the world are snuffers? I think those are the things that took the, the light out and the candle and the basins and the spoons. Oh, now that's a holy house of God that's got spoons. Boy, you put a fork and a knife in there, you know God's in there. Ooh. Some of y'all acting like y'all don't like to eat. I'm looking at you. I know a different story. You say, how come you Pentecostals like to eat so much? It's in the Bible. Every answer you need is in the Bible. In Acts chapter 2, where the Holy Ghost was poured out, it said they did eat their meat with gladness and singleness of heart. In the very chapter that the Holy Ghost was poured out, God gave them a love for cheeseburgers in the same chapter of the Bible. God in there. <laughs> Woo! Inner doors, most holy place, doors of the house, the temple, were of gold. Thus all the work that Solomon made for the house of the Lord was finished. Then he started bringing in a big old offering. And he started bringing in all these cattle. They got to, at one point in verse 6, I don't know who was keeping track of all these numbers, but somebody had their little agabus or their modern calculator. Somebody was having to keep up with all these animals. Somebody was counting everything. Finally they get to one point, and Solomon's like, no matter what we did, we got to have the Ark of the Covenant now come up from the tabernacle of David down there, the descent of the Mount of Olives, where David had built a little tabernacle. The Bible said that in the last days, the tabernacle of David's going to be revived. You know what that is? That's a place of praise and worship. God said, I'm going to dwell where people are worshiping me. But now we built this beautiful building, and we got to bring the Ark of the Covenant up out of the tabernacle of David. We know God dwells there. But now we built this big old beautiful building. How do we know God's going to be comfortable here? So they said, we better have a sacrifice. Whenever we bring that ark up in this place, we've got to know that God is going to come, that his presence is going to come. Because it doesn't do you any good to have a beautiful building and not have the presence of God. Come on, somebody. You're better off being in a brush harbor. You're better off being in a tent and God being there. They said, we're going to have to have a sacrifice, and it's going to have to be the biggest one yet. So they brought that Ark of the Covenant out, and they got a sacrifice going. King Solomon, all the congregation of Israel that were assembled unto him before the Ark sacrificed sheep and oxen. And finally, I don't even know who, somebody just said, forget this. 
which could not be told nor numbered for multitude. I mean, they just said, we give up. We can't count. You believe God could fill so many people with the Holy Ghost, we couldn't even count them? I do. You believe God could do such a great work, you couldn't even keep track of the miracles? You couldn't even keep track of people getting baptized in water, getting baptized in the Holy Ghost? You think that's possible? Ladies and gentlemen, can I tell you that God's looking to send a harvest and a revival that we cannot even number in America? Not Bangladesh, not Ghana, in America, not Madagascar, not in the Amazon, in America. It might as well be in Palm Bay. It might as well be at Eastwood. You say, well, Pastor, how do we know God's gonna God's gonna send us this revival? Verse 14 of that chapter says, So the priest could not stand to minister by reason of the cloud, for the glory of the Lord had filled the house of God. Lord, we're remodeling this building, but none of it means anything if your presence don't dwell here. If we get so blessed and so sophisticated that we can't lift our voice and lift our hands, we're better off to burn this whole thing down than to have church without the presence of God. But I got confidence that there's coming a blessing and a harvest like we've never seen before. You say, why, Pastor? Because of the sacrifice. The sacrifice brought the Shekinah glory of God. The praise brought His presence. And the house that you sit in today is only here because of sacrifice. It has been bought and built by sacrifice. The heart of past generations and the hands of present generations have brought us to this place. The heart of people like Bill Hall and and Leroy Burroughs that painted and cleaned and did all they could to edify the house of God. The craftsmanship of Dick Syaz and the commitment of Ben Segerly who is still coming up here and working on this sanctuary and he's in his high 80s. I've seen him work at the house of God all my life since I was in third grade. And this has been a place of sacrifice. It has been a place of the declaration of his name. The sacrifice of faithfulness. Everything we've done, we've tried to do it to the best of our ability. And it was all done. And it's still being done. For the glory of God. But now, ladies and gentlemen, God is wanting to send a glory cloud and sanctify that that has been sacrificed. Even now the Lord is saying, I have seen the work and the worship and I desire to send my power. A week ago, Friday, some of our staff were in Jacksonville for a church conference. As the minister was encouraging us to pray for one another in the altar, I felt the Lord speak into my spirit and say that He wanted to send a great harvest to our church as a first fruit offering of the new sanctuary. I didn't fully understand that because my idea of a first fruit offering is what we do unto the Lord. 
But God put that in my spirit and so I was standing at the altar and I just let it sort of marinate in my mind and in my heart. And as the host pastor began to announce the schedule for the services the next morning, he announced that Pastor Bounds would be speaking in the morning. And Brother Bounds, who was standing in front of me in the altar area, he just shouted out, The Bible says you have to call the harvest. Pastor's given me permission to operate in the Holy Ghost. And he went up on the platform and he began to share his burden and his desire. He said, God's going to send us a harvest, but we got to call it. He looked at me and he said, Brother Myers, how many people are going to receive the Holy Ghost this year in East Wind? Without even thinking, I said, 500. He kept calling people from other churches and they were all given different numbers, but sometimes he'd call on people that was a part of our staff. And every time they'd say 500 and 500, and I'm thinking of that verse that two or three could ask anything in thy name and it shall be done. I begin to thank the Lord. I thank you, Lord. You're going to fill 500 people with the Holy Ghost this year as a first fruit offering of the dedication of the new temple. Oh, thank you, Jesus. As the service ended and they had food over in the Life Center of the church in Jacksonville before I could even get over to the next building for the food that was being served after the service, evangelists started texting me that were not there, that were not in that service, that were not watching online. One evangelist said he was in another state eating with friends and the Lord spoke to him in the middle of a meal in another state eating with friends all the way on the west coast of the United States. But he said the Lord spoke to him and said a mighty harvest is coming to Palm Bay. He said it was so strong. He said I got up out of my seat and I went out in the parking lot. And he said I began to speak in tongues. He said I'm booked for the next year of preaching all over the country. But he said I tell you what I'm doing tonight. I'm canceling everybody and I'm coming to Palm Bay for the next six months. You might as well get ready. Your children are coming home. Your friends are going to be saved. You say, oh, you're just talking about another revival, Pastor. We've heard all of that. I've come to tell you that what God has cleansed, that call not thou common. What God has sanctified, you better not just make it as standard operating business. It is a harvest of the first fruits that is directly from the throne of God. Stand to your feet. My wife said right before you spoke, she said, I was thinking a thousand. And here she thought she was married to a great man of faith. <laughs> and she said, you said 500. Somebody else on the staff said, I was thinking 750. I said, well, I don't know. All y'all may be right. I may not have enough faith. But I know one thing. God has spoken. And if God is in it, I said, if God is in it, I didn't. I didn't know how this harvest related to the first fruits that Lord had put in my spirit. I didn't know how all that tied into the rebuilding of the sanctuary until the Lord showed me a scripture in Exodus. It comes from Exodus chapter 23 and verse 16. And the feast of harvest, the first fruits 
of thy labors, which thou hast sown in the field, and the feast of ingathering, which is in the end of the year, when thou hast gathered in thy labors out of the field. Ladies and gentlemen, God sends a first fruits harvest because of the labor in the field. The feast of ingathering. Oh, I feel a feast of ingathering. You know how many people around this city we bump into and they call me pastor and I haven't seen them in five, ten years. Pastor, how you doing? You remember me? I remember your face. I haven't been to church in a while, but God's been dealing with Oh, there is a revive all over this city. Mm. There's a harvest of first fruits that's coming from our labor. This is why the church grew. 20 years ago when we first built this building and we moved in here church has more than tripled since that time God is saying it's time to do it again this is the place this is the place this is the place of repeat blessings He wants to mark this house as a place of His glory. I have chosen this place as a house of sacrifice. We have sacrificed. Now He wants to sanctify. Because ladies and gentlemen, a house of sacrifice is a house of salvation. So that every week, starting today, every week this year, we're going to be in revival. Every Sunday is going to be a harvest and it's going to be continual. And it's going to start right now in just a few minutes. Mm. For the Lord will not forsake his people for his great name's sake, because it hath pleased the Lord to make you his people. He told Solomon, as the glory of the Lord rolled into that temple, if my people, my people, which are called by my name, turn to your neighbor and say, that means you. Jesus' name, people. My people which are called by my name will do what? Humble themselves and pray. Seek my face. Turn from their wicked ways. Then will I hear from heaven and will forgive their sin and will heal their land. We need forgiveness and we need a healing in this land. And it starts here and it starts now.